there, entrepreneurs, dream makers, and small business titans. I'm Chip Schweiger, and welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur's Accountant Podcast, where you get tips and tricks that can help you level up your company to build value and create a business that goes from seven figures to eight and from eight figures to nine. I'm a CPA in public practice who, for the last 27 years, has worked with some of the largest companies in America. But my real passion is in helping entrepreneurs and business owners like you because you truly are the crown jewel of our economy. And today, we've got an interesting episode for you. But before I move on, be sure to sign up for email updates at my new website, www.entrepreneursaccountant.com to get exclusive content and tips that allow you to grow your business while enjoying the lifestyle you're entitled to. That's www.entrepreneursaccountant.com. So let's get to this week's show. Hi, y'all, and welcome to this week's episode. So happy to have you here. Hope that you're doing well, that you are healthy, and that your business is profitable, and that you're having mostly a good time at it. So, you know, one thing we talk about in business, you've probably heard this a lot, is the adage that it's far easier to cross-sell an existing customer a new product than it is to find a new customer. And, you know, when I was in public accounting, we talked about filling the white space, uh, which meant basically we put all the column, all the clients in rows, all the services we provided to clients in columns, and wherever there was a client that wasn't receiving all the services we could provide them, there was a white space on the paper. And our goal was to fill it. And if your goal is to grow at all costs, then cross-selling certainly makes sense. However, all of that sales growth may not do much for the value of your company. So what do I mean? If you cross-sell your existing customers too much stuff, it could make your business far less valuable. And when you cross-sell a customer so many things that they begin to account for more than 15 or 30% of your revenue, expect the value of your company to drop. And finally, if a single customer represents more than 30% of your sales, expect an even deeper discount. And that's because customer concentration is one factor that makes up your score on what we call the Switzerland structure, which is basically one of the eight drivers of values that the folks over at the Value Builder system have discovered drives your business's value in an acquirer's eyes. So to summarize it in simplistic terms, the least valuable companies focus on selling lots of stuff to a few people. The most valuable businesses do precisely the opposite. They sell less stuff to more people. So to dive deeper, to dive deeper rather into this dynamic, the Harvard Business Review interviewed dozens of managers from 36 different companies across industries in the U.S. and in Europe. More than 90% of the firms had run cross-selling campaigns and all found that their efforts increased the average per customer profit, which is a good thing, right? Well, the managers seemed to think so, with every one of them saying that because of this lift, they would cross-sell to any customer. But the HBR found a deep flaw in the manager's logic. So to tease out the impact on profits of individuals cross-buying, they analyzed the customer data sets from five Fortune 1000 companies, a B2B financial services firm, a B2B IT services firm, 
a retail bank, a catalog retailer, and a fashion retail over periods ranging from four to seven years. And what they found was that while the average profit from customers who cross buy is higher than that from customers who don't, one in five cross buying customers is unprofitable. That group accounts for 70% of a firm's total customer loss. And that's defined as the shortfall when the cost of goods and of marketing to a particular given customer exceeds the revenue realized for that particular customer. And the more cross-buying an unprofitable customer does, the greater the loss. So who are these profit-destroying customers? Well, we can probably put them into four distinct profiles. So one is called the service demanders. And these are people that habitually overuse customer service in all channels, from phone to web to face-to-face -face interactions, right? The more they cross by, the more service demands they make, and the more your costs rise to provide those services. At the retail bank that the Harvard Business Review studied, requests from service demanders for things such as assistant with online banking and balance transfers more than doubled after the customers began cross-buying. All right, the next category is what we'll call the revenue reversers. So these are customers in this segment that generate revenue, but then they take it back. At firms selling products, this typically happens through returns. And in many cases, the more a revenue reverser buys, the more he or she returns. So at firms selling services, revenue reversals generally involve defaults on or early termination of loans or contracts. At the retail bank, where revenue reversers cost about, this one particular bank, about $5 million a year, about half of the customers in this group had defaulted more than once. All right, the next category is what we'll call the promotion maximizers. So these are customers that gravitate towards steep discounts and avoid regularly priced items, right? And everybody likes to save money. I'm not being critical here. I'm just saying that in your business, you need to understand sort of these, uh, these different types of buyers. So at the catalog retailer and at the fashion retailer that the Harvard Business Review studied, the average annual loss from each promotion maximizer was about $300. Okay, the last category is what we call spending limiters. And this is a really interesting group, I think. These are customers in this segment that spend only a small fixed amount with a given company, either because financial constraints or because they spread their purchases among several companies. So if they do cross buy, they don't increase their total spending with the company. They reallocate it among a greater assortment of products or services at that particular company. This generates cross-selling costs without increasing the overall revenue from that particular uh, customer. And at the financial services firm, a number of business customers who kept about $5,000 in their checking accounts responded to cross-selling promotions for products such as insurance or CDs simply by drawing down their checking accounts to buy the other products. And the increase in revenue from more profitable products was not enough to cover the cross-selling costs. Now, cross-selling to any of these problem customers is likely to trigger a downward spiral in decreasing profits or accumulating losses for really two reasons. First, cross-selling generates marketing expenses. And second, Cross-buying amplifies costs by extending undesirable behavior to a greater number of products or services. 
And this happens even among customers who are profitable before they begin cross-buying. So hopefully by now you're convinced that cross-selling isn't all it's cracked up to be, but you may be curious as to how to make the switch. And if so, here's the way one owner did it. So let's look at a medical technology firm, 3D4 Medical. That's the name of the company, 3D4 Medical. Uh, founded in 2004 by John Moore, the company built 3D models of the human body, photographed them, and then sold or licensed the images to textbooks publishers. By 2010, 3D4 Medical was selling images to a handful of large publishers around the world, and then a downturn hit severely impacting the entire publishing business. And to make matters worse, new generations of students increasingly wanted to learn online rather than through the textbooks. So, turns out the advent of inexpensive digital photography and the resulting increase in competition for the same customers also didn't help more. He had, uh, he had built a successful company on a handful of customers, but when that segment began to dry up, so did his business. Despite working harder than ever, Moore's revenue plateaued for four straight years. And it's horrible to see when we see that in business, right? So instead of punching through to the next level, Moore had his hands full just keeping his company going. But while he had relied on too few customers, he still had something no one else had. And that's the thousands of 3D models of the human body. And then Moore had an idea. He decided to repurpose his 3D images into a mobile phone app that medical students could use on their phones. Brilliant. Moore expanded the idea to include professors and medical professionals who could use his 3D images on an individual basis to learn, to teach, and to share with patients and students. So fast forward by 2019, 3D for Medical had become the biggest producer of medical apps on every app store. The company boasted over 300 of the top universities in the world as their clients, and their app served 1.2 million paying customers and had 25 million downloads. Thanks to, having a, thanks to having a diverse set of customers, but one product, Moore sold 3D4 Medical in 2019 for $50.6 million. So the takeaway that I'll leave you with for this episode, well, Customer concentration is seen as a significant risk when a potential buyer determines the value of your business. And that's why the most valuable companies are the ones that sell less stuff to more people. And that's all for this week's episode. And I just want to let you know how much I truly appreciate you investing some of your time with me on this podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast. It's super easy to do by just hitting that subscribe button or that follow button. Also, uh, if you really like the podcast episode, if you'd leave us a review, I would surely appreciate that so that we can get this out to more people. And lastly, just a reminder about my website at entrepreneursaccountant.com. We've got a wealth of resources there under the learn tab. We got past uh, podcast episodes under the listen tab, and we've got a lot of stuff uh, there for you to help you in your business journey. And until next time, y'all, we'll see you down the road. Mm -hmm.